Great. Fantastic. If you can um, fill up your coffee and grab a seat, we're going to move on to the final part of our morning. Great. It's lovely to see um, so many uh, lovely new faces this morning. Um, it's a it's a it's a long morning this morning. We've had some extra stuff on, and it's been such a privilege to see these two little ones dedicated. I'm gonna um, bring the teaching part now. I'm gonna try and do that in extra quick time. So, um, oh, brilliant! Grab your seats. Wonderful. It's really good. Lots of things going on in this community. So. We're starting a new teaching series today <laughs> called uh, What Kind of Human? Um, and if you're part of the Redeemer community, you'll, you'll have heard me talk about an article that I referenced quite a little bit. In 2016, there was an article in New York Magazine that'll come up behind me um, by author and self-diagnosed news junkie Andrew Sullivan. Um, I think the magazine cover will come up on the screen. There we go. And it was entitled, I Used to Be a Human Being. And some of you will um, have heard me refer to that article quite a few times because um, it resonated really deeply with me. Sullivan, in the, in the article, he argues that the culture that we live in, the culture of constant and always on, news-obsessed, information-overloaded, digitally-connected, smartphone world, that it's kind of having a deep impact on us, having profound impact on us as human beings. And his main evidence was his own story. For 15 years, he was in publishing and it nearly killed him. I really recommend the article. It's, it does get better from that point on, but it's a true story. Every day, the constant images and the words seeping into all the spaces of his life and affecting his, his daily life, his relationships, and ultimately his peace and his happiness. And he was numbed to his feelings and his emotions and broken as a human being. And many of us, if not all of us, can relate. Maybe not to that specific brokenness, but to brokenness in general. His story consists of going cold turkey, going on a, on a retreat, a detox retreat. And when he's in the woods on a walk, he suddenly breaks down in tears and the whole experience catches him unawares. And it's, it's the walk in the woods that triggers a memory, memories of his younger self as a child, exploring the woodlands in Sussex and the simple joy of those memories. And alongside the joy, also pain. Pain that he's carried most of his life that he perhaps never had realized. Pain linked to the suffering of his mother who suffered tremendously with mental ill health. And so with the distraction turned down, with him on this retreat in the woods, suddenly it catches up with him and he reconnects with these deep parts of himself that he didn't know were there, had been buried for years, the joys and the pains. And this, the article talks about how he works through that over a number of months, and thanks to different practices that he encountered, solitude and silence and gratitude and the power of simplicity and changes that he put into his life, he rediscovered his soul and the joy of being alive, and he got back in touch with himself. You heard that phrase, getting back in touch with yourself, getting back in touch with reality. And it's a, it's a sad story, but it's a hopeful story. And it's an intriguing story, and it begs the question, what does it mean to be human? 
What does it mean to be alive and to flourish and to be healthy as a human being? We've spent seven weeks looking at what kind of church we feel called to be. And um, I'd encourage you, if you've missed that, to catch up on the podcast. It was an overview of the values that we're trying to live out here as a community. And we're going to be exploring those, I'm sure, in the months and in the years to come. Over the next six weeks, Steph and I are going to begin this new teaching series, we've said, What Kind of Human? And we're drawn really heavily from a book. I just want to put it up there. There should be a slide, a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We've taught a little bit on this before, but if you're interested... We're drawing heavily on that, and so I really would encourage you to pick that book up. It's a really great book. Hopefully on the screen you'll see a little photograph of me (laughs) coming up. (laughs) There we go. I couldn't resist. (laughs) That's me. The question that we should begin with is, who am I? Well, there's me as a, a young toddler, and a few years on, there's another photo, and you can begin to see the layers of identity are building up as I try to socialize myself in the world, and it's an identity that I've not stripped myself of yet. Uh, come on, United. Um, you can move on, Noah, thank you. <laughs> but it begs the question, who am I? That, that's me as a young child, and you'll have, obviously, pictures, I'm sure, of yourself as a young child. I want you to ask the question, who am I? that to yourself, who am I? Because that turns out to be one of the most radical questions that you might ever ask, because pretending is something that we all do. Pretending is everywhere. Pretending is prevalent in our culture. Um, Apart from the politicians, no, of course, in politics we see pretending. Pretending to be something that you are not in politics and in business, business leaders trying to impress Editors airbrushing those pictures of models to make them look more attractive. Kids are trying to impress their teachers or their fellow schoolmates to fit in. Workers trying to impress their bosses. Uh, Young adults trying to impress their girlfriends or boyfriends. Um, But in the church, we don't pretend. We're completely authentic all of the time. (laughs) So in the church, of course, to be ourselves, it's a challenge too for all of us no matter whether we follow Jesus or not, to be ourselves as a child. In all cultures, we can wear a mask at times. It's normal. But we're trying to be something perhaps on the outside that we uh, are not on the inside. There's a disconnect there. And the story of Andrew Sullivan from that magazine that I shared really resonated with me because I had a disconnect like that back in 2016 when I read that article. Um, I was going through a period of my life which was really disorientating to me, and it it changed me, but I guess I had learned growing up to compartmentalize parts of my life. I didn't realize I was perhaps doing that, a kind of dissonance. Um, There was this outer life, the activity that I was involved in, the things that I did, the things that I said, the things that I believed, the things that I said I believed. And then there was my inner world, the, the thoughts and the feelings, um, the truth of my inner world. And the problem was not that I had an outer life or an inner life, but the problem was the lack of integration between the two, the disconnect, the pretense. You know, to be human means that we're physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological, social beings, and Flourishing happens when there's an integration between 
how we are in the world and our inner world. And I, I felt at that time when I was reading that article in 2016, I felt, I felt disintegrated. I felt at odds with myself. There was a lack of cohesion or integrity or truth. It applied to every aspect of my life, including my faith. I had been taught growing up to, to believe certain things in God, to say the right things about God and do the right things before God. And indeed, the emphasis was on knowing, on knowing God. But inside, I was completely ignorant to who I was. Like the Man United kit that I was wearing there, the layers of identity that had built up over the years to help me acclimatize and socialize in the world. I was ignorant to who I was and how my way of being was affecting me and my relationships and ultimately my relationship with God. In 2016, the gap showed. And on the outside, so many things that I had been building and striving for just kind of crumbled and left a lot of pain and disappointment. And it led to like a feeling of despair, a feeling of being lost. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel a level of despair or lostness today. And in the midst of it, it felt like my faith didn't even work either. It all felt fake. I believed the right things about God, and I had said the right things, and yet things weren't working out. I was tired and angry and broken. And in the midst of dealing with that sense of brokenness and trying to reconcile my faith, I, I discovered that book that I just referenced, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Book. And I stumbled upon this idea that I want to share with you today, which is this. It's the idea for the series that it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally unhealthy or immature. That there's a, there's a connection between all these parts of our lives. And I had pushed down emotions and I pushed down these parts of me and I denied these parts of me and it left a disconnect. I was... I was I was nice all of the time, perhaps, I thought anyway. I avoided conflict. I ignored anger and sadness and fear. I live without healthy boundaries. I allowed past experiences to limit me. I live with lots of regrets. I failed to grieve loss in my life. I had a prayer list that looked like a shopping list and there was no intimacy with God. I divided kind of my life without even realizing it into sacred and secular. I was judgmental of other people. I was doing things for God rather than being with God. Does anyone resonate with any of what I've said? Put your hand up. Come on. Does anyone resonate with just some kind of disconnect between what you say and what is actually going on inside? And this idea that actually the integration of how you feel, your emotions, your whole being, that that's a spiritual endeavor, that that's actually discipleship. That whole idea was a new, it was a new, it was a new idea. It was a new idea to me because the emphasis growing up was all about knowing God not knowing myself. In fact, growing up, I was told that the heart was deceitful. We shouldn't trust it. But there was an emphasis on just knowing God, and there was a denial of who I was. Rich Villadis says this, that evangelical Christianity is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture, but not have Christ pervade our being. He said that again. Evangelical Christianity is often characterized by a deep sense of trying to have Christianity pervade our culture without having Christ permeating our being. And I think that's so true that you can be, you can even be a professional Christian and really unloving 
that you could be a pastor and be really insecure, that you could be a prayer and unaware of anger in your heart, that you could fast all the time and yet be critical of people, that you could lead people and yet you're kind of crippled by a sense of failure, a nagging sense of failure. You could be involved in all sorts of ministry and yet there's no boundaries. You struggle to say no. There's, what's all that about? We want to live whole, healthy, and flourishing lives. And the life that God invites us to is that kind of life. Why is it so difficult at times? And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at six different pathways to help us on that journey. It's not going to be a silver bullet. But we're going to look at six different pathways drawn from that book that I've mentioned and that first idea that was transformative to me, and here's what I want to begin with today, the very first. Know yourself that you may know God. Know yourself that you may know God. This is the first step on the journey towards wholeness. As I've said already, growing up, spiritual emphasis for me, I grew up in the church, was get to know God and a complete denial about who I was. In fact, as I said before, I mean, Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, was the verse that I was share. Or that in Romans 7, there's no good thing that dwells in me. But I, had, I didn't pay attention to what was going on inside of me, and I ignored the wealth and the wisdom of the Scriptures and the journeys of the spiritual heroes of faith as recorded in the Scriptures, that would say that there's a fundamental link between knowing ourselves and knowing God, knowing the divine, what we all want, wholeness, wholeness. Augustine says this, and it should be on the screen behind me, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Even John Calvin, John Calvin says this, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. Ephesians 4.22 says this, put off your old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's an idea there in that scripture of the old self and the new self, or of the false self, the false you and the real you. And here's some ideas that the false self will tell you. It will tell you that you are what you do. You are what you do, whatever you do or that you are what you have, or that you are what other people think of you, or that you are what you believe. But Christ invites us to uncover our true selves. We've been talking about that today as we've dedicated these little ones. That God sees us 
in the womb before we were born, to discover the true nature of who we are, and so therefore discover life with God. And this is really connected to Jesus Christ himself. He models this beautifully. I'm coming into land, folks. He lives according to his true life when you examine the Gospels. Here's something interesting. Jesus disappointed people. Jesus disappointed a lot of people. If you read the scriptures, he was secure in who he was and in his father's love. He was able to withstand the pressure from outside, but he disappointed his family's expectations for his life. He disappointed the people that he grew up with in Nazareth. He disappointed his closest friends, the 12 disciples, because they projected onto him what they thought he was. They quit on him. Judas quit on him, stabbed him in the back. He disappointed the crowds. He disappointed the religious leaders. And yet, Jesus had this deep sense of who he was before the Father. He knew what the Father had given him to do. You remember that image of him being baptized? Here is my beloved, and the Holy Spirit comes down on him. In whom I am well pleased, says the Father. And at the same time, Jesus was not selfish. He did not live as if nobody else counted. He gave out of the love that he had to others. His life was a cruciform life, a life that was flowing out to the other all around him. So he wasn't a selfish life, but he knew who he was, and he had a loving union with God the Father. He had a true self that was healthy and whole, and out of that, he offered himself to the world. The pressure on us is to live a life that is not our own. And yet God has given us a life to live. God has given each of you a life to live. He has called you. He has named you. He affirms you. And so we can lay down the pretense it's so difficult because of those generational forces, because of the way we were brought up, because of the spiritual forces at work. But by the gift of the Spirit in our lives, we can learn to know ourselves and therefore discover God himself in the midst of it. As we've said already this morning, we are made in the image of God. We've said words from the Psalms, you are fearfully and wonderfully made each one of you in this room. And so, as I kick off this new series, I want to invite us into that journey that we may begin to know ourselves, that we may know God. We don't have time to unpack the next little bit, but that book is there for you to dig into. I want to put a few quotes up on the screen as we come to finish and we come to the table. Frederick Buchner, who passed away recently, he says this, listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and the pain of it, no less than in the excitement and the gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. Rabbi Shusha says this, at the end of your life, God will not ask you why you were not Moses. 
he will ask, why were you not you? Why did you try to live out someone else's life that was not your own? Jesus came to show us what kind of human we are invited to be. To be fully whole in his presence. To, be, to have an integrated life of all those aspects of who we are. To not be separated, but to be whole. Not to be perfect, to have our flaws, but to be whole, to, to live in the truth. To know the presence of God in our lives. To reorder the chaos by the power of his spirit, to see shalom and peace in our lives. And from that, a life of love can be lived. And so Jesus wants to teach us as a community how to be human, to pay attention to ourselves. And I suppose that's the invitation I want to leave with you today as we go. Pay attention. Listen to your own life. If you're lost today, if you're feeling broken today, if you're even thinking you're completely together today and it's all going well. Listen to your life. Who has God made you to be? Because he wants you to live in the reality of who you are. Surrender is the place where we start to get healthy. And God has a dream for each of us that we would be the kind of human beings that he has designed us to be, living whole and flourishing. True spirituality leads us to live authentically. I'd love you to stand and I'd love to invite the band to come as we come to the table and as we finish our morning now. Augustine said this, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself that I may know thee. And so there's a prayer going to be up on the screen and as Matt and as the guys begin to play, I wonder if perhaps we could pray this together. You don't have to. You can choose not to. Of course you can. But I wanted to give some words for us, maybe to capture just today what the Spirit is saying to us. We're going to come to this table, which is the open table of Jesus, the bread and the wine. And as Ruth has already said, it's Jesus' table. So he is the guest Master, it's his guest list. You're welcome at this table. The only qualifier is you want to be at this table. And this is where his grace is given to us. This is where we discover who we are in him, where he affirms us and where he gives us his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness, his peace. Let's pray this prayer together. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to change your posture in some way. Lord, help me to be still before you. Lead me to a greater vision of who you are. And in doing so, may I see myself, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Grant me the courage to follow you, to be faithful, to become the unique person you created me to be. I ask you for the Holy Spirit's power to not copy another person's life or journey. In Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen. Let's sing and let's come to the table. And as Matt begins to lead us, please do come up. Um, Ruth will lead the way <laughs> and you can serve yourselves here at the table um, and, uh, and we'll worship together.